A couple weeks ago, we completed a teaching series called Disconnected. Uh, it was a series about how our faith in Jesus can connect us in an increasingly disconnected world. And this morning, I want us to revisit this whole idea of being connected and what is it that connects us. Um, because we connect with that which we identify with. Um, a couple weeks ago, I came across this documentary. I don't know what channel it was on, but it was um, reflecting back on and looking at the uh, Coke-Pepsi battles of the 80s. I don't know uh, how many of you remember those. Uh, Coke was the king of soft drinks, and um, Pepsi was always trying to put a dent into Coke's market share. Um, and since I was a kid of the 80s, that makes me young for some of you and old for others. I understand that. Uh, but I was a kid of the 80s, and so that documentary kind of piqued my interest because I remember the Pepsi Challenge, and I remember New Coke, and, um, and Pepsi's strategy was to go after my generation. Um, the slogan of Pepsi was the choice of the new generation, and as part of that strategy... Uh, they did something unheard of. Uh, at the time, Michael Jackson was easily the biggest star of the early 80s uh, with songs like Beat It and Billie Jean and his Thriller video. Um, he, was easy, he was the king of pop. And this was before uh, any of it, the accusations with him and kids came out. This was before his multiple plastic surgeries. He was the king of pop. And Pepsi um, did something unprecedented. They paid him five million dollars to be their spokesperson. Now five million dollars is a lot of money today. It was a lot more money back then and you didn't do that back then. Just give one person that much money. Today that's commonplace but they were really the first to do something like that. And even if you look at some of the advertising pictures on the screen, um, two of them, they don't even have the product in the picture. You see we were to be the Pepsi generation. The idea of getting Michael Jackson was to connect my generation's identity with Pepsi. And if you look at those pictures, two of them don't even have the product in it. It's all about identifying with us. It was all about connecting our identity with their product. And their goal wasn't to get us to like Pepsi better than Coke. Their goal was to get us to think we are the Pepsi generation. Pepsi wanted to be a part of my identity. And advertising has been that way ever since. They want us to identify with the product. We identify with all sorts of things. Something as mundane as our coffee. We identify with our coffee. Raise your hand if you are a Starbucks person. Starbucks people, raise your hand. Okay, Dutch Bros people, raise your hand. Okay, oh, it's getting ugly in here. Okay, Twin Beans people, raise your hand. Okay? And raise your hand if you're just a good old-fashioned black coffee kind of person. There we go. Yeah, with enthusiasm. Okay? Uh, we identify with our phones. Okay? Are you an iPhone person? Okay? Are you a droid person? Are you a flip phone person? Okay, that was... Notice the language. We are not asking what you like. We are asking who you are. The things we buy identify who we are. And this advertising strategy that goes after our identity, it works. It works. 
Where we shop, what we drive, the clothes we wear, it's all about identity. And our identity is formed by all sorts of things. All sorts of things. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, are you an outdoors person? Are you a hunter or a fisher? Are you a Democrat or a Republican? Are you a runner or a biker? Are you an American? Are you an Idahoan? Who is your sports team? Okay, now, notice what I called it. Your sports team, as if you're the owner. Now, technically, I am an owner of the Packers, but that's really not the point. Okay, but when the Packers win, like they did on Thursday night, I don't say the Packers won. I say, we won. I identify with the team. Or what is your college? Okay? It's all about identity. So, as followers of Jesus, what forms our identity? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 4. Our uh, scripture reader for this morning is Marcy Golay. So Marcy, if you can make your way and up to the podium. And as she does, I'm going to ask you to please stand if you are able. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, that's in the New Testament. Well, about halfway through the New Testament, if you're looking for it still. Uh, and we stand because we believe that this is the Word of God. And so Marcy, whenever you are ready, please read from Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 16. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect or respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Marcy, thank you very much. You may be seated. Jesus wants the church to form our identity. Now, I want to clarify what I mean by church. Church is not an organization, but in the New Testament, whenever you see the word church, the word for that is ecclesia, and ecclesia is the community of faith. It's us. We are the church. That's the biblical understanding of what the church is. So it's not the organization. It's a group of people devoted to Jesus and to one another. And Jesus wants the community of followers, the church, to form our identity. And so I'm going to be, going, I'm going to be using the word church a lot. But when you hear me say church, I want you to insert the words faith community, community of followers, us, whatever that helps you with. You see, Jesus is devoted to his church. Now, you may ask, well, shouldn't Jesus be the focus of our identity? And the answer to that is yes, of course. But what was Jesus committed to? His communities of faith. 
all over the world, there are groups of people committed to Jesus, and Jesus is committed to those communities all over the world. And while we may value the church less and less as a culture, Jesus' commitment to these faith communities is unwavering. If you look in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, and you look at verses 11 and 12, where it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Jesus gives all of these things so that the body may be built up. Jesus wants his body, us, to thrive. And so the purpose of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers is for this community. You see, Jesus gave his life for the church. Yes, God loves the world and so sent Jesus, but Jesus gave himself for his faith communities. Ephesians 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loves the church. Christ loves his communities so much that he gave himself. And Jesus shows his devotion to the church by giving himself for us. And Jesus' earthly ministry built the church's foundation. Look, if I would have been on Jesus' advisory committee when he was here on earth, my strategy for him would have been, hey, Jesus, look, what you want to do, given your limited time, is you want to travel the world as much as you possibly can with your message, with the gospel. Get to as many places and get to as many people as you can and get the word out, get the gospel out. But Jesus hardly ever left Israel. And he limited his message primarily to the Jewish people. That's a terrible strategy. What are you doing? Who was on that advisory committee? They should have been fired. You want to get Jesus out to the people. Not just one little place. Jesus had a better strategy. When we look throughout the Gospels, we tend to focus on Jesus' teaching and Jesus' miracles. But if you go back and look, there is very little in the Gospels that doesn't include Jesus' followers. Almost everything that Jesus did in the Gospels was done with or for his disciples. He was training them to not just be individual followers, he was training them to be a community of faith. He spent the precious little time that he had on earth investing in his faith community. He invested in his band of followers. He taught them how to be a community of faith, devoted to Jesus and devoted to each other. And those communities changed the world. Jesus was devoted to the church from the beginning because communities of faith is his strategy to change the world, and that hasn't changed. Jesus shows up in his church. I often hear people say that they connect with God sometimes best out in nature. 
you know, when they're fishing or hiking or camping. And I don't dispute this at all. Uh, Jesus often went to lonely places to pray. And so I get it when you're out alone in nature that you feel this connection to God. I understand that. But Jesus didn't say that you could find him in nature. Jesus said he could be found in his faith communities. In Matthew 18, he said, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Jesus is devoted to his faith communities. You want to find Jesus? He's with his people. And our faith, your faith, is marked by your church. How will people know you are a follower of Jesus? You know, Jesus actually answers that question. And it's amazing what he doesn't say. You know, is it how you live your life? You know, your morality? Is that how people will know you're a follower of Jesus? Is it how much you know or read or study the Bible? Is that how people will know? Is it um, how much you pray? Or how much you um, share your faith? Jesus said in John 13... By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. All those other things are important. But Jesus said, everyone will know that you are a disciple of Jesus by your love for each other here. In other words, how our community of faith loves each other, how much we care for each other at TFRC, is how everyone else in the Magic Valley will know that we are disciples of Jesus. Your faith is marked by your church. And Jesus is devoted to his church. Jesus loves his faith communities. The church has the potential to fulfill you like nothing else can. Look, the church has always been flawed. Even in the Bible, the church is flawed. Communities of faith are made up of sinful people. Corruption and abuse have been a way too often occurrence in too many faith communities. Jesus has always worked with sinful people. Jesus has always worked with sinful communities. But still, Jesus' communities of faith are his plan to change the world, and they are also Jesus' plan to transform you. The church has the potential to fulfill you like nothing else can. If you look back in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, and you look at verse 13, uh, 12 and 13, where it says, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This passage, these verses, they talk about faith. They talk about purpose. They talk about life. Again, our faith, Jesus is found in his community. I made this point just a few seconds ago with the Matthew 18 passage. But in verse 13 where it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son. And the word knowledge there isn't just head knowledge. It's not learning about Jesus. The church isn't just a community where we learn about Jesus. Knowledge is an experiential thing. We experience Jesus 
in this community of faith. That's the plan. And sometimes we experience the grace, mercy, and love of Jesus. Where we experience Jesus' acceptance here in our lowest moments. And sometimes it's the correction of Jesus where we experience life change and are transformed because we are challenged. The community of faith is the body of Christ. It also gives us purpose. You are a gift. You are a gift from Christ to us. As it says, again, in verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Jesus doesn't just give apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Every one of you brings something that all of us can benefit from. Every one of you. You have a purpose here. Jesus has you here for a reason. You are a gift from Jesus. And in order for TFRC to be built up, Jesus gave us you. This community of faith has a purpose for you. And you can't fulfill that purpose outside of a community of faith. You are meant to be here at TFRC. And then there's life. You see, Jesus represents what our lives were intended to be. Again, where it says in verse 13, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, in Jesus, we see the fullness of God. And from a theological standpoint, we spend a lot of time focusing on, on that, that the fullness of God is in Jesus. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why it's what we focus most of our energy on, the deity of Christ, and that's 100% correct. But in Jesus, we also see the fullness of humanity. Jesus is the best representation of what it means to be human. Our sinfulness, it takes our humanity away, and the death of, and resurrection of Jesus restores our humanity. And that's the good news. And even more good news is that Jesus shows us what humanity, what we were meant to be in the first place. And so to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, the community of faith is our best chance to live life as it was intended to be lived. How much does TFRC form your identity? Jesus is devoted to his church. The church has the potential to fulfill you like nothing else can. And if you look back in your Bibles to verse 16 of Ephesians 4, where it says, from him... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Is TFRC more than just a place that you go to worship? As important as that is, does TFRC form who you are? This is our fall kickoff, the beginning of our ministry year. And it's a great time to either commit 
or recommit to this place, to this community of faith, to TFRC, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. How is God calling you to be more connected here at TFRC? How is God calling you to make this faith community more a part of your identity, of who you are? And this is going to mean something different for every one of us. For some of us, this might mean increasing our Sunday attendance, making a commitment to attend weekly or at least more often or something. Or for some of us, it might be a commitment in our giving where we either start giving here or start to increase our giving. Or maybe it might be joining a small group or attending a Bible study, that something you haven't really done or haven't done much of. Or maybe it's about... Uh, Maybe for you, it's joining the prayer group and spending more time praying for this place. Or maybe it's committing to getting your kids here on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Or maybe it's coming to junior high youth group on Wednesday nights or senior high youth group on Sunday nights. Or coming as a family to Wednesday night recharge. Or getting involved with Monday night recovery for life. Or um, joining the connections experience, becoming a formal member of this place, making a profession of faith, being baptized, serving some place or in a new place. How is God calling you to be more connected to this community of faith, to TFRC? How can this place become more a part of who you are Look, I, I, I don't remember if you raised your hand, if you were a Starbucks person or a Dutch Bros person or if you're an iPhone person or a Droid person. What I want to know is, are you a TFR seer? We have um, a new TFRC logo. I think we have a slide with it. Yes, okay. Um, I've got one on my shirt. Staff has them on our shirt. Uh, we'll be wearing these shirts at the picnic so you can see them, but... Um, you know, when we identify with something, you know, one thing that often happens is we usually just put some symbol or some logo of it on our stuff. Uh, one thing people use to identify with something is um, something as simple as stickers. Um, you see stickers on cars, and you see stickers on water bottles, and you see stickers on laptops. You know, stickers get put in all sorts of places. And so we thought, hey, what would be a very just simple, tangible way for you to commit here at TFRC and have a way of remembering that commitment? So we bought a bunch of sticker, stickers. We have like a thousand of, of these stickers, okay? Um, and they don't say TFRC, they just are the logo. Because we think it would be awesome to flood this place with these stickers. And many of you are familiar with our standing stones. Okay, we have standing stones on campus. And you may wonder what the standing stones are all about. And there's no sign explaining them. Because we want people to ask, what are those standing stones all about? Well, likewise, we have these stickers that don't say what they are. And we think it would be awesome that if there were enough, if these thousand stickers somehow got out, and people kept seeing these stickers. Sooner or later, they'd be like, what are those stickers about? Which would be awesome if people started wondering, what are all these stickers for? So if you would like to commit, 
or recommit to TFRC, um, later in the service when you're leaving, uh, we're going to have people handing out these stickers. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, we'll be handing them out as we leave for the picnic. Smaller ones for things like water bottles and laptops. Larger ones for things like our cars. It's a simple way of making TFRC more part of our identity. You know, I keep reflecting on Summer Surf, where we went into a neighborhood here in the Magic Valley and just tried to improve it with some practical projects. And Jesus became tangible for the people in that neighborhood in ways that would never have happened if we did not come together as a community of faith. And what was awesome as I was watching all of you work at, <laughs> at Summer Serve, it wasn't what we accomplished, although what we accomplished was pretty awesome. What I loved was watching us come together. I actually stood at the end of one of the streets, and I just watched as groups of people on different sides of the streets at different houses work together on all sorts of scales that I, on all sorts of scales, I saw this community of faith, TFRC, come together. And as I watched this community of faith just kind of operate and go to work, it was a holy moment. It was amazing. And in all sorts of different ways, this community of faith comes together. Whether it's on Sundays or Mondays or Wednesdays or other times during the week when you guys gather in all sorts of groups for all sorts of reasons. And every time it does, it's a holy moment. Every time you gather as a part of this place with your brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe they're friends, maybe they're strangers, but every time you gather, it's a holy moment because Jesus is there. God is calling you to make this community more your community. Jesus loves this place. And while we're not perfect, he wants you to love it. We are a part of Jesus' plan to change the world, to build his kingdom. And we are also a part of Jesus' plan to help transform each and every one of us. How can you be more committed, connected to TFRC this year? Please pray with me. And Lord, we thank you that you gave your life for us. You gave your life for us as individuals and you gave your life for us as a community of faith. And Lord, so I, I thank you for this honor to be a part of this community with all of these great people. And Lord, while we all have our flaws and we all do goofy and sinful things, Lord, you still love us, you still bless us, and you still work through us. And Lord, I ask that your spirit would speak, speak to each and every one of us and Lord, inspire us to see this community through your eyes. And Lord, to have our identities formed through it. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.